Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Training Camp for the Soul podcast. I am your host, Chris Marhefka, and this podcast was created to help you discover the root of your frustrations, heal your inner child, and help you break through your own barriers so that you can create more ease in every area of your life. Join me, along with the founder of Training Camp for the Soul, Anat Perry, as we provide proven tools to a more fulfilling life. We'll also be interviewing guest experts and also thriving clients who have been right where you are today. If you are looking to awaken your aliveness, deeply connect with your true heart's mission, repattern your old habits, and become the best version of you, then this show is for you. Thank you for joining and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Training Camp for the Soul podcast. I am here with my man, Ben Walker, a.k.a. Ben Joy. What's up? And, uh, What's up? <laughs> and uh, Ben and I were just reflecting that it has been just over two years since Ben Joy came to the TCS retreat in November of 2019. Can you even recall the man that walked into that retreat two years ago? I forgot who he was a month after I did the retreat. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know that, yeah, there's some, there's some things you did that I look back. I'm like, Oh, that's funny. That's a weird weird thing for me to do. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much of that that I want to dive into with you, especially Ben, because I've, I've shared, you have been a perfect example of what it means to integrate this work and what it means to take like radical and immediate action. And so I'm excited to dive into this. Uh, I actually had to, to do some digging in my own, um, um, file internal file cabinet to remember the Ben Joy that I saw on that week because I know who you are today, but I really had to dig in. I was like, who was that guy? <laughs> who was that? So, scared, so scared little boy. Yeah, let's go into that a little bit just to give people context that are listening to this that either know the Ben now or are just being introduced to, to Ben. Um, and we'll definitely go into who the man you are today, but let's go into a little bit of that, that scared little boy of walking into doing Training Camp for the Soul, November 2019. Yeah, it was um, the quote that sums it up uh, where I was at then was, is uh, the more you become who you are, the more agonizing it is to be who you're not. And I was right in the middle of that was having my mind opened to a a new way of thinking, a new way of being. And I I knew that there, like, there was something I didn't know that I didn't know. Turns out there were a lot of things I didn't know. I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, ha, silly me. I thought it was one thing that, uh, that were like holding me back. And it was a lot of, like, I'd sum it up and it was a lot of, ah, I did that thing again. Shoot. Why did I do that? Um, and it would be things like uh, staying in relationships for you know years longer than than I should have. Um, I I was very uncomfortable celebrating my birthday. Actually, I remember like when I was in a teenager saying to my mom like Yeah, I don't want to have birthdays anymore. I don't want to like do a birthday party anymore. And a lot of like, I'd, I'd shut down in groups and there'd be a lot of like people would ask me like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I just like, I'm drawing a blank. I've got nothing to, and I didn't even know to say that. Um, but I'd find myself in groups of people, often groups of people I didn't know. And I'd shut down and I'd watch myself do it and just be like, I'd freeze. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And like all the while having like feeling this call to, um, 
to get out and adventure. Cause I'd, um, before I was a coach, I was a musical theater actor and I'd, my first big gig out of school was I toured the country for two years with a show and I got to see all this amazing, the amazing parts of this country performed all over the place. And I remember sitting in my hammock, watching the sunset behind the mountains in Salt Lake city going, why the hell am I about to go back to New York city? Mm. And uh, that tour closed in 2016. And then sure enough, I stuck myself in New York city for mm. the next two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And that I, I, I was still doing the thing, doing the actor thing. And I was booking jobs. I joined the union. I had an agent like on paper. It was great. But at, at some point, something clicked and was like, this isn't the thing anymore. But I don't know what to do. I've been an actor since I was eight years old. And I've always said my goal is to be on Broadway. What do I do now if my goal isn't to be on Broadway anymore? And it was a really challenging uh, directionless time because I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that the thing I was doing was not it. And that's when the opportunity to do training camp for the soul came up and I was scared as hell. And I went for it. <laughs> yes, you did. You went for it like full on. And what you just described there, I think is, I don't know if I would say unanimous, but a large majority of the people that find their way into training camp for the soul are struggling with something similar of this like status quo of like, this is what I've done my whole life or worked my way towards or into, and it doesn't fit anymore. It's, it doesn't align. And, and for me, it feels like, um, I remember this point for myself. It felt like I, I had my, my, my feet on, on two boats and they were slowly drifting apart in this like comical scene of me going into a split and then eventually like falling into the water. Cause, cause in one, one way in your, in your mind, in your internal, it's like, okay, you don't, you're, you're drifting, uh, further away from what you said you want to do, but like, you don't know what the next thing is. So you keep the foot on the old thing because you just don't know where to go from there. And it just feels like this, like pulling apart in two different directions. Uh, and I think that's so incredibly common. Um, can you speak to just, a, uh, the belief or the beliefs that were in place of like, when you were doing the thing that you said you want to do since you were eight years old, when you were performing, uh, and you were a theatrical performer and an actor, but you knew inside it wasn't for you. Like what were some of the, the stories that were coming up for you as like maybe why you couldn't do anything differently or. Uh, I'd, I'd be a failure. Mm. Um, oh, you would fail. Yeah. I was a failure. Yeah. Like there's, you know, there's plenty of uh, former musical theater actors, mm -hmm. you know, and it's a lot of, um, like the common story is, oh, they couldn't do it. They couldn't yes. make it. So now mm -hmm. they're just waiting tables. Mm -hmm. um, I had, I had some, some stories around uh, like what the people back home would say. Like, oh, Ben tried and he couldn't do it. Mm. Um, what, what, what added some spice to that was when I graduated high school, there was one other guy who went into musical theater and he got to Broadway mm. and I didn't. Mm. And there, so there was some, I eventually when the, actually it was the day I saw him on Broadway was when I accepted it. Finally, it's like, yo, yeah, this is great. <laughs> but, uh, there, there was a little bit of that. I was like, oh man, he's, he's going to be on Broadway. And I'm like, uh -huh. here I am giving up like, oh, yeah. you gave up. Mm -hmm. Um, that was, that was the main one was, yeah. yeah, was, am I giving up on the dream? And what, what really, I, what I realized was, were two things was one, it stopped being my dream. Like, yes. here's a secret, everybody. You can have more than one dream. It can change. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing was I decided, like I made the choice to be a professional actor when I was 16. How many of 16 year old Chris's stories, uh, decisions would you stand by today? 
Oh, yeah. I think about that all the time when I like find myself in those old patterns. It's like, I am a completely different person, completely different desires, values, motivations. And like, I'm not wearing the same clothes I was when I was 16. Why should I be (laughs) following the same ideas that I had when I was 16? Yeah. It's so true. We get this idea that we're like, you have to choose one thing and then that's your thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And if you. That's sold to us. That's a story that's sold to us. Like hard, like really hard. Oh yeah. And any, anything that is, is different from that. Anything that veers off that course is like weird or mm-hmm. dangerous or scary. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even now, like two years later, I'm home for Thanksgiving and I had, I've had conversations about like, like how, how do you get paid? and there's there's all this skepticism it's like actually i'm making like four four to five times as much money as i ever did as an actor Mm -hmm. yeah so it's like what you love right yeah and that's the beauty it's still what i love yeah theater Mm -hmm. was what i loved for a time and now coaching is what i love for a time being a park ranger could be what i love next i don't know yeah i'm open to that that was that was the the track the trail that i was going to go down is like even the conversation we're having now could be completely different two years from now or 10 years from now and it likely will if you're growing and you're changing and it's like that is different than what a lot of people are buying into right now and and also that story probably served our grandparents it really did like that like do one thing and then do it for your whole life that probably served them at that time and it just it doesn't feel like that's the state of the world right now like it doesn't feel like that is the state of most people right now yeah there's a lot of we're doing we're doing it this way because that's the way it's always been yep Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh what i I, if you look at like evolution the animals that did that aren't around anymore (laughs) that's a great point (laughs) like they're not yeah like you, you have to, you have to evolve and you have to change. And every time, like when we go through a shift like that, there's always people who are like clawing at like, no, we have to stay this way, the way it's always been. And like, if, if you want to grow, you have to keep changing. Yeah. And, and also if you think about it, if you had let the, that fear of failure of this one thing, this one dream of a 16 year old, if you had let that run the show you would still be striving for the dream that's not yours today simply because the fear was there but you learned how to go through the fear and not let it control you anymore and i imagine it was still there throughout throughout your years of integration but it didn't control you anymore and so you could still make decisions without like feeling owned by that fear yeah it's the difference between what happens if I fail and what happens when I fail. Mm, Cause like, yeah. let's not pretend everyone's going to fail at something. Mm-hmm. If you're trying. Yeah. Yeah. If you're trying, <laughs> if you're trying hard enough, you better. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. when I go rock climbing, I love when I hit, when I get yes. to a route that I can't do It's like, Oh good. I found like yeah. recently I got to a point where I was like, uh, I'm, I'm kind of cruising up these. And then I found somewhere. I was like, Oh, that was scary. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. I really had to remember I was on a rope for that one. Mm-hmm. It was like, good. I want to, I want to find those edges. That's awesome. Like I, I like so to talk- tell my clients that fear is the finger pointing you in the direction you're supposed to go. Love that. Absolutely love that. Mm. So let's go into uh, the change. The, the, let's, let's start with your experience at the retreat and um, what were the things that came up that you dug into maybe you expected or didn't expect? Um, yeah. What were some of those challenges? Uh, the biggest challenge I was facing uh, as I went into the retreat was my relationship. I had a girlfriend we'd been dating for two years at that point. And as I was making these shifts, there was a lot of a lot of really me shifting away from that relationship and uh she she could sense it and in the back of my mind like what i was saying and what i told her 
was, look, I'm going to go to this retreat. And like, I know that there's something in me that like is, I've got to fix. There's something wrong with me. And then we're going to be able to be happy together. And in the back of my head, I was like, no, this retreat is actually going to give me the courage to break up with her. That like, I knew that that was what was going to happen as much as like in my, I'm trying to be a nice guy story Mm -hmm. that, that I wanted to be like, oh no, don't worry. I'll save the day. Uh, but it ended up, and that is what ended up happening was mm-hmm. uh, getting to the point where after doing one of the sessions, it was crystal clear. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting down in integration and Bryn saying, so we've been having this conversation about your girlfriend. I'm, yeah, we got to bring up. <laughs> <laughs> it was so quick. Like, I knew it right yeah. then. I was like, I have to do this mm-hmm. um, to the point where I, I think the, the next night I did call her and and end that relationship because it yeah you did it was weighing on me so much like i knew i was going to do it i couldn't wait till friday like it was going to drive me nuts if i didn't do it then um so hey speed of implementation folks yeah Um, (laughs) you know you know maybe like you know a year and a half probably after i knew that that relationship wasn't going to work out (laughs) yeah and and like i i'd love to i'd love to just hit that for a moment because you and on, on one side of it, you were like wanting to go in to like fix the relationship. Like that was like the old patterning Ben of like being the nice guy, but like deep, deep down for a year and a half, you knew that this wasn't right, but it really just took you. It, actually, you speak to that yourself. Like what, what was it that gave you the internal permission um, or the courage to take action on, on something that had been weighing you down for a year and a half it was being able to ask for what i wanted being clear on what i wanted and being able to say this is it i want this or just as much i don't want this yeah and that was like that was the thing like i can't point you know necessarily point a finger especially now like having done this work on myself i can like see her and go oh wow well, I know why that happened. And, uh, you know, I can't like point the finger at her for being like being wrong. You mm-hmm. know, she, she was yeah. just as much acting from an unconscious pattern as I was. Mm-hmm. Um, really just honestly looking at it and going, okay, what we're doing right now, I don't want it anymore. And we, we don't want the same things. Like there mm-hmm. were a lot of, and even it was funny, to, I was talking to my mom about it being home for Thanksgiving. And she even said, yeah, I think she should have broken up with you long before you broke up with her. And I was like, you know what? She's yeah. right. No, yeah. she's totally right. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so it was because it was specifically after the the hot seat around once and needs. Yeah. Where I came out, I was like, wow. Yeah. I really, I really don't want to be in this relationship mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. And once I finally like spoke that out loud and admitted that to myself, everything, all the pressure dropped away mm. to the, the point where in like, it was the easiest breakup that I'd ever done. Like the actual moment of like, Hey, I want to end this relationship. It was easy mm-hmm. for me to, to say, because I was so certain. Yes. That was the right path for both of us. Like she wasn't happy either. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, I remember, you know, her being really upset, of course, and like saying that, like, all this guilt is yours. And like, you've joined a cult. And <laughs> I, I was able to watch all of that pass right through me mm. because, yeah. because I was, I was certain that this was the best choice that like, it didn't matter. Like she couldn't hurt me. Yeah. At, at the, cause I was, I was so certain that this is the right move. Yeah. And, and in that certainty and like taking courageous action like that, you served both of you, even if she didn't realize it in that moment and maybe doesn't two years later, maybe she does, but that's, that's the part that's really challenging when it comes to taking action with other people is they're probably not going to get it 
in the same moment that you currently get it right. Yeah. It may take them more time. You just got declared to yourself and it had been a year and a half of you doubting it. And so it's like really understanding and holding that concept and holding that understanding for other people, because like, like you said earlier, they're just doing their old programs too. They're all doing their old subconscious thing too. And so, um, like, I love that you said like there was nothing that she could say that would hurt you because you were sure you were clear and you knew. Yeah, I love that. And a big thing that held me back was thinking that I was somehow wrong mm. for wanting to end the relationship. Like if I was if I was to be a nice guy, then which we can talk about the difference between a nice guy and a good man. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was trying to be a nice guy, then I couldn't hurt her. I couldn't do anything that would hurt her. Right. Like I had to make it work because that's what a nice guy does. Yeah. Um, which, you know, all that did was cause conflict mm-hmm. for us because neither of us actually wanted it anymore. Mm-hmm. But, but your script said nice guys got to work it out and got to stay and be there. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Whereas the good man goes, OK, look, we tried. It was great. This is where this is where it's got to end for both of us. Yeah, we we both we learned and we grew, and now like this is not serving us either one of us. Yeah, and like that's taking leadership, taking a stand, and um, yeah, it's that's that's a very different story. And I, I had a similar one myself in in the, the being a the good guy. Um, so so let's let's stick on the relationships if if you you don't mind and, and let's fast forward now like what are some of the things that you integrated after the retreat and what what is the shift in your relationships look like now the the biggest thing has been being comfortable clearly communicating what i want in a relationship and like ha- having like what you know when when there is conflict mm-hmm being able to take a breath and like look at like take a bird's eye view and look at the problem mm-hmm. that that there's conflict over instead of like being in the trenches mm-hmm. of it um i'm also way more vulnerable mm-hmm. with with my partner than than i ever was with anyone previously um and I, I, whereas before I would have been nervous, now I love it. Like that, the, my, oh, my favorite thing is like getting disarmed. Oh, oh, I love it. I love it. Like that's how, like that's, that's been like in, in girls that I, that I saw uh, after training camp for the soul. That was one thing I noticed. Like if a girl disarmed me, I was like, ooh. I am way more interested in you now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and talk about what you mean by disarmed. Like, what, what do you mean by someone disarming you? Um, it's like that, that the, there's this, this excited tension of like, Oh, you got me. Like my guard was down and you, I am mm-hmm. totally open and you got me right in, right on the thing. Mm-hmm. You got me right on the thing. Like there was, um, I, I had a, a brief relationship with a girl where um, I love to play the curiosity game in case, in case anyone doesn't know, love asking questions, getting curious about people. And I was playing it with her and she knew about the game. So she wanted to play it with me. And she asked a question that I did not have a good a- an answer for. And I was like, holy crap. I like, I'd never had someone do that to me like that. And mm-hmm. like that, that turned into like a really cool relationship where like both of us learned exactly what we needed to. Mm-hmm. And then like when I, it was the first time where I had a, a breakup that was actually like mutual and amicable. Yeah. Like, a, like genuinely. Yeah. We were both, yeah. Like we, I remember we both went like, I think I th- we were talking and I just kind of, cause we were, uh, it was long distance at that point. And I, I said, Hey, like, what are we doing? Mm. 
what are we doing? And she, cause I, I felt for, I felt like I was forcing it. I was forcing it. Uh, it seemed like she was forcing it. And we, we like in that moment, we both just kind of went, okay, yeah. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much. <laughs> I've learned so much from you. And yeah. she said she learned a lot from me. And I was like, you know what? Th- this was perfect beginning to end. It was great because we were able to have that kind of communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were, and you were, you were open to it. You were, I imagine I'm projecting like less defensive than maybe you would have been in past relationships with being right. And yeah. And, and when two people can do that, it's, it's really, really beautiful, powerful. Um, and I think so many people are, are probably going to be hearing this and being like, wow, I wish that could be the case in, in my relationship. It's the, it's the only time I've ever done it. It's only ever happened to me once. So yeah, when y'all, when it, y'all get it, it's really cool. It's very possible uh, and very accessible to everyone, but there are those like really subtle, like, uh, like armor, like you put, there's that subtle armor that comes up. There's the like passive aggressive attacks and defenses that happen that when you feel safe enough, in yourself to like be with another person and have those conversations, those things aren't needed anymore. And you can actually speak your truth. And if they feel the same, they can speak their truth. And like that, like it gets so much easier when that happens. Right. It's like, Oh yeah. We're both just being honest here. <laughs> and like, that's, that's been my thing with uh, my girlfriend, Mallory mm-hmm. is whenever there's conflict or whenever I'm feeling something, I know that even if it's something about her i can i can say like hey uh i'm frustrated right now this happened and i'm frustrated about it can we talk about that and the same thing with her and it you know it stops those those things from festering Mm. yes because like that's when it turns into like, like the, the, the classic stereotypical story of like the, the, the girlfriend who brings up some story from five years ago and the guy's like, whoa, what? I don't remember that happening. He's like, yeah, because she's been pissed off about that for five years and she hasn't said anything about it. Mm-hmm. And, and it just like that, that becomes this like thing that drags around in every interaction of the relationship. It's like, it's always present it's like this baggage this anchor that we're dragging behind us in the relationship and every every time it happens it just gets like added to the baggage it's like oh there's another thing there's another thing and then it gets so so heavy that either leads to just this deep burning resentment or it's this violent like maybe not violent but aggressive breakup because there's all this baggage that hasn't been dealt with but if you like you're saying with your with your partner now is like oh if we can just honestly just deal with the little tiny piece of baggage that's here right now it doesn't or maybe not even baggage it's just the thing in the moment we don't have to throw it in the baggage and drag it to tomorrow or that next week or five years from now and and that's been the the beautiful thing about this relationship is i've i've had moments where i'm saying i'm saying something and i'm feeling myself get tight Cause I'm, I'm, my body's reacting to like the impending, uh, tirade that's going to happen from me saying this and that doesn't happen. Mm. It's like, it's, she receives it and she hears it. And then we talk about it. And if it's something for her to take ownership of, she takes ownership. If it actually is something for me to take ownership of, then I take ownership of it. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. So um, if, if we can wrap up the, the relationships piece, like from the Ben pre-TCS to the Ben now, like what is possible in your relationships that you didn't think was possible before? An, an actual partnership, like a team is like te- team is the best the best way for me to describe it is that and that's something i didn't have previously and what like being 
being on a team, it means you have like you have the ability to to stand up, you know, with your partner, stand alongside your partner. It also means you have the ability to relax and let your partner hold you. Mm-hmm. And to have the the ability to say, hey, I'm going to call you forward here mm-hmm. about a thing that we've discussed where you're not showing up. And to be able to do that and receive that. Mm-hmm. And when, uh, when it's really focusing on the team, like there's, if she's got something that she wants me to take ownership of, there's no room for me to take it personally. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I'll look and be like, hey, you know what? I, I did do that. Mm-hmm. I totally did. You're right. And I will, I will do something different next time. <laughs> I think what you just described is, is the foundation of a lot of people's dream relationship. Really just that feeling of being met on the team and being able to be honest. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. Well, I, there's, there's a couple more things I want to dive into because I know that relationships aren't the only thing that you shifted. Um, so let's go into, let's go into the second, uh, which, which is like how your life changed tangibly, geographically, like the, the structure of your life and what's different now for Ben Joy. Oh, I can go wherever I want, whenever I want, however I want to go. I can stay as long as I want. And I can do whatever the hell I want while I'm doing it. I love that. So, <laughs> so true. And and um, you you demonstrated that to yourself. You proved that to yourself um, time and time again. What was, uh, what was, and initially before we go into that, what was in the way of that previously? What were the beliefs that were holding you back from that? Do whatever I want, whenever I want, with whoever I want, wherever I want. Uh, the a big one was that I thought I had to be in New York City. Ah, uh, Or I okay. thought I had to be in a city. Mm-hmm. Um, even, I mean, if you're going to be an actor, yeah, if you want to do musical theater, you do kind of have to be in New York City. Uh but then once I stopped, like, I remember the moment when I, because I, even when I started coaching after I stopped doing theater, I was still in New York City. Mm-hmm. And I realized I was like putting down roots in New York City. And then I remember having this moment of going, holy shit, I don't actually have to be here anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and that, that opened up. Like what, once I realized that, like that opened up everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't try to think of, cause I, I, I talk to people who have a lot of, like, they want to do the same thing. And I don't, I didn't have like the, like the fears about being alone mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, it, it was really, it was the story of that. I had to be in a certain place. Yeah. To do, to do what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, to the point where even when I shifted that, I still stayed in the same place. Mm -hmm. And it was largely because of that, that I wasn't going on all the adventures that I wanted to go on. Mm -hmm. I was looking whimsically at, you know, adventure Instagrams going, Oh man, I wish I could get out there. And like, there'd been places I'd been to, um, when I was on tour where like, it was all cool that I went there, but I had to do eight shows that week. Yeah. So you're, you're not going out and adventuring when you got to. <laughs> yeah. It, it was always like, yeah. yeah, it was always like, Oh, but the show, I got to get back for the show. So it was always yeah. on someone else's schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so like once I, I shifted to where I had, like I, I could see that I had the ability and and yeah, it was simply that once I saw that it was possible, like how mm-hmm. possible it was, how possible. Yeah. It, th- there was nothing that could stop me. Yeah. Beautiful. And it even down to like, it, it was, it cost way less money than I thought it would. Um, it was easier than I thought it would, mm-hmm. th- that I thought it would be. 
Like there's free campsites all over the place. Yeah. When you actually did it. That was the thing. Before you do it, there's all those stories of not possible. No, this, no, this, no, this. I I was talking talking to a guy today who was, uh, he was talking, yeah, like I really want to save up and get a van and then I can go out. You could also buy a tent and go out like what you and I did when we were nomading. Yeah. Yeah. Like you just go, just pull up somewhere and set up your tent. And it's great. You know, tents like what? 200 bucks. Yeah. Like the, the barrier to entry is so low, but most people don't see that one. Yeah. They see the, like, I've, well, I've got to have the super duper outfitted sprinter van. Uh-huh. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you've got a tent, a stove and a cooler and you like <laughs> camping, you're good. There's cell phone service in the darndest places, as you, as you and I well know. You and I both <laughs> took <laughs> operated business from the top of mountains and <laughs> side Ohio of National lakes. Forest. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that it's it's funny because I get so many questions about like how do you get cell phone service? Like <laughs> it's all over the place. I know. I know. Yeah. So, so let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about um, when you made that happen, the vision that you had, the vision that you shared and how it came to reality. It was, I'm trying to think how I made it happen. It's, it actually, it surprised me when it happened. Um, Cause it was right after, right when the COVID pandemic was starting and Mike Bledsoe kicks down my door and goes, yo, I'm going to Utah in four hours. Are you coming? So we, we drove through the night to, to, and spent the first two months of lockdown uh, on a ranch with a view of Zion National Park out the back window. Mm. And when, as I was there, I was like, I, now that I have the fuck yes, mm-hmm. I've lived that. I'm not going to settle for anything else. Mm. And from there, it was, uh, we went up to Yumi and Nico, got a house in uh, Incline Village, Lake Tahoe. And I remember even that, the, the Airbnb was twice what I initially wanted to spend on rent. And I, I remember I said, you know what? I'm not going to tell my grandkids about the time I got a reasonably priced Airbnb. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Yo. laughs> it, let's go. So, and, and that's when I realized, like, I'm doing it. I, mm-hmm. I am doing the nomad thing. And mm-hmm. I, from there, I drove across the country to, to spend a month with my family in Vermont and then drove right back out. We did that retreat in Colorado. And then uh, I took my friend, Sean Lazio, on a two and a half week road trip adventure from Colorado up to Glacier National Park and down to Salt Lake City, Utah. Mm. And it was, it was easy. Mm. It was so easy. And once I saw like that, and that is when like we really started talking about what really became my, like my mag, I called it my magnum opus training camp for the soul integration uh-huh. was operation follow spring North. It's really Sean was like the beta test for that. Uh-huh. Like, can we can we do it in a group? And then uh, we did it. So while I was in Utah, it was spring. And I was like, wow, spring is an awesome time to be here. It's perfect. And then we went to Tahoe. And I was like, oh, damn, it's spring here now, too. <laughs> hey, it's a baller time to be here. And then I realized, well, spring makes its way north. It starts in the south. Let's follow spring up the West side of the United States to Alaska. Mm-hmm. So we started in Sedona. And at one point I had 12 people in the tribe. We camped in Sedona, Arizona for two weeks and then worked our way up. We went Zion. Um, what was it? Zion, Lone Pine, Mammoth Lakes, Tahoe, Shasta, Bend, Gig Harbor. And then I flew to Alaska for two weeks and did a week backpacking in Katmai National Park, mm. which has been, uh, my parents were park rangers there um, right after they got married. So it's been a dream of mine 
to go mm. there. And it all, it all came together mm. really simply by telling people I was doing it yeah. and inviting mm. people. And that was where I think I said in the beginning that I had a thing about my birthday and follow spring North was every birthday party. I didn't have. Wow. And wow. It, it was so much fun. Mm. Like being able to like have a vision for something, tell people about it. And those people go, oh, wow, that sounds really cool. I want to come. Like I didn't realize like some people really like uprooted their lives mm -hmm. to come out on Follow Spring North. Yeah. And for a lot of them, it was like I'd, I'd done, I'd started living the nomad. I was, I'd been living nomadically uh, mostly out of my car for a year at that point. Mm -hmm. And for most people, that was the start mm -hmm. of their nomad journey. And it was so like, it was victorious to, to, to create that space, put out an invitation, and then everyone showed up. Mm -hmm. And I think like in the past, it would have like me inviting people, I would have been nervous about like, ah, do they actually want to come? Um, are they actually going to come? You know, it's like the little, but like, hey, do you like my toy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Like that, that's essentially what it was. And then um, what was really cool was that the main thing I did to make Fall Spring North happen was I told people about it and I invited them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, that's why it's so important um, to share your visions with people. If you've got a big, unreasonable vision, some, some, I'm not, ah, I almost said crazy, some really <laughs> big, important thing that you're really passionate about, tell people about it. And some people are going to laugh at you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some people are going to laugh with you mm. and say, that sounds really fun. Can I be a part of that? Yeah. And if you're like, if you're passionate enough about it, it's going to be mostly people coming along with you. Mm -hmm. For sure. It'll attract those people and they'll feed off of that energy. Yeah, which is exactly what I saw and witnessed from you. You literally created, you, you spoke the vision, manifested, because even like you said, you didn't really create it. You just put it out there and then the call was answered and it came together, and became a co-creation in a sense. Yeah, it's amazing what happens when you get a bunch of people together and have fun. So what would you, what would you say to someone who has that belief and i imagine some of it's loosening now as as people are working from home working from the road working from a laptop and there's a, a little bit more um change happening in people's lives what'd you say to those people that are just like have similar stories of they have to be in this place and roots and it's not possible and and if they have these dreams and adventures to i don't know i the word that keeps coming is, is live life is like, live the life you want to live. Yeah. Do it. Mm -hmm. Like it's, I had, I had this conversation with a friend about uh, rock climbing because there was a certain part thing with rock climbing that she like wanted to do, but was like, I watched her talk herself out of it. And I was like, look, your body's ready for this. The only way your mind's going to be ready for this is if you do it. <laughs> Like you, you can't, you can't mental gymnastics your way into being ready for this. You have to do it. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what I saw time and time again with people who joined follow spring North is it was there, there was that like, I don't know. And then, and then once they got out there and started doing it, they realized, oh my gosh, this is easy. Mm. It was really cool to watch people get their systems down, like get their cooking systems down, set their tents. Like, I know I like to set my tent up this way and do my food that way. And I've got this, like everyone's different setups as they figured it out. It was so much fun to watch. 
because you you will figure it out. Because mm-hmm. I mean, true, oh. if you're living out of your car, you have to figure it out. Yeah. And and what uh not not everyone has to do follow spring north or live out of the car or no bad or whatever, but thinking about just the doing something that you've always said you wanted to do and then finally making the choice to do it, whatever that thing is, like it, it could even be just like taking a, a one week road trip or like going to start rock climbing or, or, or whatever. But the thing that you've been mental gymnastics, <laughs> mental gymnastic thing, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you've been doing that dance in your head for years or a lifetime and then finally doing it and then having that like oh that was easy that is very empowering and i did just think of something um in terms of like if someone who wants to start doing wants to start doing something big that's different is start small what's what's what like whenever i do goal setting with someone we get the goal and I always ask them then, okay, what is the smallest thing you can do now to start, to start moving this goal forward? Because mm-hmm. um, like using living nomadically as an example, people think like they just got to rip it up and go. Yep. But I started with living part-time in New York. Mm-hmm. I had a house in New Jersey. Parents got a house in Vermont. I got it so my clients, I could see them all on two, in two days in New York. And then I, so I drive up from New Jersey, two days in New York, drive up to Vermont, hang out for mm-hmm. the rest of the week, then come back down, two days in New York, hang out in New Jersey. And I mm-hmm. did that. That's how it started. Transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I was able to build it up. Right. From Cause, there. Because you at that time, had you said you're going to live out of your car and follow spring north over what, four months, five months, whatever it was, that would have been a stretch and probably would have kept you in the inaction of it. Oh, but I got to do it this way. And it's got to be this. And I think that, of how many, think of how many people like want to make a change in their diet and, you know, they, they clean out the fridge and they buy, go buy everything from Whole Foods. And then a week later, they're ordering pizza again because you like, you got to, do this stuff incrementally. Mm-hmm. If you do, you know, some big, like rip the rug up, you know, you can do it that way. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some chaos. Right. In, in the shifting around. Cause you did just make a huge, big change. And now everything's all over the place. So you can do it that way. If you're down with a big chaotic shift like that, or you can take small steps and work up to it. And like, even the you know, remote workers right now, like go do your work in a park one day, mm-hmm. go find, like take a weekend, maybe go find a spot that a remote spot that's got cell phone service and then drive out there during the week and do your work there for a little bit, hot spot off your phone or something, mm-hmm. little, little steps like that. And then as you make those little steps, the, what looked like a big leap is then just the next step. Right. Right. Yeah. It's great advice. Great advice. And the, and the courage to take the, the first one, um, where does that come from? You know, if it's, I think if it's small enough, there, there's a way you can, there's a way you can work around, like not needing to have like some big courageous thing. If it's a tiny, small step, yeah, little bitty, small step, like, you know, start only eating grass fed meat. Mm-hmm. Start oh, there. Oh, don't, okay. don't change anything else right. by grass fed meat. Then the next, like, okay, remove anything that has canola oil from your house. Yeah. Do like, that oh, for a little bit. Okay. Cool. And then you, you step it up. So then it, it looks like, oh my gosh, you just completely flipped, turned your life upside down. Mm-hmm. But it's actually, it's, that's just the result of a, a bunch of really small mm-hmm. steps. You can't just walk in if you've never worked out and come and rip 400 pounds off the floor yeah. for a deadlift. You got to build your way up to that. Mm-hmm. 
which is why I love that I'm talking to you almost exactly two years after you did this, because it can take years to like fully transform areas of your life to the point to where like you and I forget the person that we were before this. I mean, I, I forget the person of myself all the time. I have to look back and like really reflect and it's silly when I do, but <laughs> like, look at silly, 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 silly bumpkins. Awesome. All right. Well, there, there was uh, one more thing you, you said earlier, and I, I want to dive into this, even if it's brief, because knowing the person you are now, and I imagine if people know you today as Ben Joy, the life of the party, this would like really throw them off that at one point you were uncomfortable with groups of people like you shared earlier on. This is like a, a kind of like a defining one for you. Yeah, this one was big. Um, and it was one of those ones where I didn't, I didn't know really what it was coming into the retreat. And then um, afterwards, like, holy shit, I've been doing it that way all this time. <laughs> um, but yeah, like going into groups and like being scared of saying the wrong thing. Like I, I'd, I had watched this happen. Ah, yeah, I remember, I remember the day this happened. Um, sitting and watching a, watching a conversation die right after something I said. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And going, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to say less now. I'm just going to not say anything because conversations die whenever I start talking. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And that like those, you know, when you're watching, I don't know if, if you, when you're watching a, it happens a lot in like high school comedy movies, like that really awkward, cringy moment. I feel those so hard. Yeah. So hard, like physical pain. Like, I love the show Sex Education, but it is one of the most painful shows for me to watch because it happens so many times. Uh, yeah. But it, I realize it's because I'm imagining myself in that situation because that's like my, one of my worst fears is having like a put your foot in your mouth type moment mm. or like an awkward silence and yeah. then taking responsibility like, oh, well, I've got to be the one to fill the silence. And then you fill it with some bullshit that mm. uh, is really just you trying to make words with your mouth because you, you don't... <laughs> you don't like the silence. You just want to make some sounds. Um, I was, it was back and forth between those of like, I'm really excited. So I'm going to say stuff. And then it, it not being received or, well, I'm, I'm going to just hang back and be quiet now mm. because I don't really know what to do. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that in no matter which one you're not really expressing authentically you're either withholding expression or you're like manipulating your expression or just changing your expression to fit like what you think is the right thing for the situation still not authentic yeah mm -hmm. which is a damn shame because <laughs> your full expression is amazing as as everyone's is when you really find it as two of my favorite uh mantras are I make friends with ease and I am excited to make friends. Mm. Those, those really stick out for me from the training camp for the soul uh, mantra list that I have. Um, Cause what, once I had those, I started seeing it happen all over the place, making friends with strangers and like my 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 tool for that is the curiosity game and i found like that made having conversations with people so easy mm. because um i remember anat said this uh because it was like our first integration call i'd i had just come like a couple days ago i'd been to an event where i shut down i was like shit i did that thing again right after i did this retreat damn it. And then uh, Anat said, when I brought it up, she said, you're making it about you. Make it about them. Be the love of the party is what, I, is what she said. And I remember there was actually a, a Friendsgiving going on 
at the house I was staying in. And I was like, all right, here goes. So <laughs> boom, went right out there. And uh, just, I started, actually what I did was I made up a new game. So there's the curiosity game. And then there's the introduction game where you introduce yourself to everyone you make eye contact with. And uh, I remember my friend told me afterwards that the entire energy of the room shifted when I walked in. And it was, it was because I didn't, I was able to, when I really focused on the other people, I was able to let go of all of the, the fears about saying something awkward. Because then I was just thinking about me. If I put 100% of my attention on someone else, mm-hmm. then there's no room for, for me to, to shit talk myself about anything. Yeah. Like often when I'm playing the curiosity game, someone will ask like, well, I want to know what you're thinking about what I'm saying. And the honest answer is, I'm not thinking Nothing. about what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. actually listening to you. Mm-hmm. And you know, the que- most of the time, I don't know the question I'm going to ask until it's halfway out of my mouth. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like genuine presence. Yeah. yeah. And it, it is funny to watch people who aren't used to being listened to be listened to. <laughs> they, they, they look at me like I'm an alien. Yeah. It's really yeah. funny. <laughs> Um, but it really was when I was able to put the focus on someone else, stop thinking about myself mm-hmm. and, you know, how are they perceiving me? What can I say? Mm-hmm. And taking all that responsibility. Yeah. It, it became so easy. Yeah. And, you know, I can, I can strike up a conversation with anyone. I, I love doing it with Uber drivers. <laughs> Just like start playing <laughs> the curiosity game with an Uber driver. Yeah. 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 It's so much fun. And, and I, I love that you're sharing this because I imagine, uh, especially after the couple of years that most people have had, that most people are, are lacking some form of connection, lacking some, and I'm, I'm speaking generally, but um, there are many people out there that are wanting more tribe, more community. Uh, wanting to be themselves, to be around people that have similar values. And what you're sharing is that you and your blocks were what were getting in the way of that. And I think it's a lot easier to just look outward and be like, oh, I'm not just not in the right city. I'm just not in the right groups of people, just not around the the right friends. And it's really easy to do that, um, to look outwards. But for you, it was just like, oh, once I clear these things up, like I can show up with anyone in any place in any, and it's so true, right? With an Uber driver that like, who knows what we have in common, but we can connect. And so I, I love that you share that because um, those internal blocks, many of us have our own flavor of them. that keeps us from like connecting and being ourselves around people. And I think that's what just everyone wants. They want to be accepted for who they are. Um, but if you're not showing us who you are, it's hard for us to accept that part of you. And so I love that you, you show it now. That's what I told people on follow spring North is like for how to handle like new people coming in. If, you know, cause there were people who like everyone had stages, like four stages that they would go through. And the first one was always like, uh, I don't know. Is this this okay? Am I accepted? So I told everyone, be the person you would want to meet Mm. if if you showed up here. Be that person. Wow. That's phenomenal advice, Ben. Yeah. And take 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 the initiative. Mm -hmm. Like I like I love that you said people are looking for connection. Yeah everyone's looking for it and everyone's <laughs> waiting for someone else to call them. Uh-huh. Be the person who calls your friends. Mm-hmm. Be the person who invites them to, to, to do a thing. Cause they're all waiting for somebody to do it. Mm-hmm. And if you've got, you know, imposter syndrome or fear around that, the answer for all of those things is action. Yeah. Once you take the action and then you see, oh, 
I have now have evidence for this story that is different than what I was believing before. You can start to learn that new reality, mm-hmm. like learning the reality of, of me being the love of the party. Like I've started the dance floor. <laughs> yes. That is like, that's huge for me. To be the one who starts the dance floor. Yeah. Because I'm everyone, pretty sure I've seen you start the dance floor a number of times. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. You were there. You were there the first time I did it. Yeah. It was epic. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Everyone's waiting. Everyone's waiting yep. for someone to do it. So mm-hmm. be the one who does it. Be the one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Awesome, Ben Joy. Well, thank you for, for sharing all that. I mean, we could we could go on and on because... I, I see you and I witness you integrating everything and like so much from the retreat and the integration after that and integration after that. Um, there's two more questions I want to ask you. And the you already actually started to hit on this one, but like what are some of your most impactful affirmations and mantras that you have used over the last two years that have like changed everything about your life i am loud i am unapologetically myself i celebrate everything Mm. and then everything and then uh i make friends oh it's i make friends with ease i'm excited to make friends and i embrace uncertainty love that i love that thank you and just for people that are following these are uh the way that ben came to these and that everyone in our program comes to them is that uh we release the old belief that's like in the way of that and this new one just comes out it generates from within this isn't like something that we fed ben at the retreat it was just like internally generated of like what's possible now for ben on the other side of letting go of some beliefs that were in the way of that. And uh, I've said those mantras, I, I might have 520 something days in a row was what I, how long I did that, that mantra practice. So mm-hmm. like when you get like, I, w- I was shocked when on the integration calls, there were people who said, oh yeah, I'm not really doing the mantras. <laughs> it's like, you just had the most like powerful experience of your entire life and you're not using the stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like that really more than anything in my integration journey, those mantras are what helped me do it. Yeah. Cause I would, because I said them every day, I'd be walking along and I had like 20 to 30 something mantras Mm -hmm. and I'd just be walking along going through my day and all of a sudden something would happen and the mantra would come in and I go, Oh, okay. I know what to do. Yeah. Like Mike Bledsoe kicking down my door. Well, I embrace uncertainty. Yep. Here we go. Yep. Mm, that's such beautiful advice. And I, I, I want to like bold that in italic and highlight that because you went through this really powerful retreat two years ago, but the real work happened when you left there and you did 500 in what, 27 days Something like that. Yeah. 527 days of repeating and embodying those new beliefs, those new mantras, those new affirmations. And a lot of people will look at like, oh, wow, Benjoy, look at how this, you, this amazing transformation has just happened to you. But the, the point that I really want to bold and highlight is that like you did the work to rewrite your program to rewrite your script to rewrite your story and it's this this is one thing that i'm uh very passionate about it's not about the big experience the big experience like the retreat just gives you access to to the change but you actually have to be the one to make the change and i want to acknowledge you for being one of the best change makers that i've seen in your disciplined action, repetitive, consistent action. So thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. 
You are very welcome. It's clear why you've made the transformation you have. So thank you for sharing those with us. And um, thank you for sharing that like consistent practice. Cause I know you were posting it on Instagram, on your stories all every day. And like that inspired more people to do the same. You were the leader in that. So more people in our program were doing that. Um, and uh, yeah, that kind of, that takes, that really takes me to my last question is what it, advice would you have for people that are listening to this and maybe they haven't done a program like training camp for the soul before they're feeling stuck in their life maybe it's their relationships or they're not living the life they desire or they're uncomfortable with other people and groups whatever it may be similar to yours or they're just stuck in life what advice would you give you can't be careful on a skateboard mm. yeah go into that a little bit more. I know you, you, we've gone into this one. Yeah. You too. Yeah. Or us too, but, um, for the listeners. So you're riding along in your skateboard, you see that turn coming and you know, Oh, I got to really lean into that turn. If you hedge your bets, you're going to either miss the turn or you're going to fall. You have to lean further than you think you should. And it's a little scary, but that's how you make the turn. Love that. I learned that the hard way when I learned how to snowboard a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> but I learned <laughs> lean more than you think. Yup. And that feels like the perfect analogy for for life. <laughs> Can't be careful on a skateboard. It's way more fun that way. Yeah. Way more fun. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, Ben. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and, and so many of the shifts that you made and uh, your advice with the listeners. Thank you for being on this podcast. Thank you for being such a good friend, such a good example and model for the world. And uh, thank you for being the fully expressed Ben Joy that, that we all know and love. Thank you, Chris. My pleasure. And thanks for cracking me open. <laughs> Any day. <laughs> I know you'll do it again. Yeah, <laughs> more of that to come. And uh, thank you all for for listening. Uh, this is uh, this is one of our first episodes that we've recorded. And uh, yeah, keep listening for more stories and learnings and developments from our clients and all the challenges and struggles that they overcame going through this program and all the new on the other side of it. So thank you all for listening and uh, stay tuned for more. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of the Training Camp for the Soul podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it. And if you'd love to thank us, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And to learn more about Training Camp for the Soul and the work that we do, go to trainingcampforthesoul.com where you can get some free resources, learn about our online programs and in-person retreats. And lastly, Follow us on Instagram at Training Camp for the Soul for some inspiring and life-changing content.